reason that I'm doing this. But if y'all don't mind, I'd like to play a song on the piano. Is that okay? Thank you for putting up with that. There, There is a reason I did it, and I'm shaking like a leaf. Now, you say, well, what's wrong with you? You play in church all the time. There's a difference in playing while everybody's singing and knowing everybody's listening to you, and you're the only one. I'm not a performer. Uh, I know you heard all my boo-boos, all my mistakes and, and everything. I can play that perfectly at home, but if I know somebody's listening to me, well, I'm going to mess up. But the reason I, I wanted to play that song for you tonight is to, um, to show you what can be done when somebody is willing to put in some time and effort towards something, a goal. I didn't start out playing that song. And even even now, to learn that song, it took me literally months of practice some of the passages are are very difficult you may, it may not sound like it to you but it is and even though i've played the piano my whole life some of those passages you know i had to play it like three or four measures i'd play it over and over 20 times until i could get it and there's a reason i wanted to do that for you tonight because um we're going to be talking about personal devotions and what can be accomplished in your life. How many of you are tired here tonight? Do you know that God can give you rest in your body? That sometimes when you come to church and you're so tired and you don't really feel like being here, you can come, and as the word begins to wash over you, and as we begin to praise and worship God, there's a refreshing that takes place, not only in our spirit, but in our body. How many of you have experienced that? Many times. So tonight I'm going to be talking about, last week we talked about be filled with the spirit. Yay! Everybody wants to be filled with the spirit. 
does that happen? So tonight we're going to talk about personal devotions. And the first thing we're going to talk about is prayer. Now, I know a little bit about teaching piano. Brother Dave, I've taught for 30-plus years. And I know that you can study music theory and technique for years. You can read every book about piano playing that you can find. Somebody get me some water, please. Um, But until you actually sit at the keyboard and practice, you'll never learn how to play. In learning to play the piano, it's more effective to practice for a little while every day than just practice every now and then. Your practice time will determine your advance, your advancement into higher levels of difficulty. And some students never get past the beginner stage because they're not willing to pay the price. They want a shortcut. The pathway to effective prayer is really no different. There's no way to learn to pray but by praying. If you wait till you understand prayer, you'll never start. You learn by practice. You could read all the books in the world about prayer. But until you actually start praying, you will never learn to pray. Many times in Scripture, we're commanded to pray. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. I don't, can't find anywhere that they ask him to teach them anything else. But they said, teach us to pray. Jesus said, when you pray. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to go through life somber and downcast shut up somewhere, you know, with a big fat Bible and just praying by ourselves all the time, never having any fun. No, God has given us all things to enjoy. That's a scripture. He wants us to enjoy life. Abundant life flows out of our life with Christ, our life in Christ. Without ceasing implies recurring prayer on all sorts of occasions throughout the day. Now, in playing the piano, if you practice enough, your fingers know what to do without you thinking about it. Is that true with the bass, too? You learn some things, and then you can be thinking about something else, and your fingers just automatically know what to do. That's the way it is on the keyboard. It becomes like an automatic reflex. Like tonight, I was a nervous wreck playing for y'all. But my fingers just was doing it when I couldn't remember what to do. An automatic reflex. Prayer is similar in the fact that the more you pray, the more it becomes an automatic reflex to the daily challenges of life. Pray about everything. No, we try to fix it ourselves, don't we? And then when we're at our wits end, we run to God. Have you heard the legend of the two wolves? 
one evening an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil. It's anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. It's joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. There's a constant battle going on between our flesh and our spirit. Galatians 5, 16, and when y'all put the scriptures up here, Brianna, I may not go exactly by it, but just go ahead and put them up anyway. Galatians 5 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So your flesh and your spirit are constantly in opposition to each other. Matthew 26 says, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We all know that. We've all struggled with our flesh. We've all said, oh, I'm going to pray more, but then we never do. Ephesians three sixteen. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you may be filled up. Everybody say, filled up. Filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Did you know that's in there? According to the power that works in us. Hmm. So we do have something to do with it. To have the inner man strengthened by the Spirit is to have our feelings, thoughts, and purposes placed more and more under his influence. Remember last week, DUI? When you're drunk on alcohol... You're under the influence of the alcohol. You do things you wouldn't normally do. And Paul is telling us, don't be drunk with wine. Be drunk with the Spirit. Be under the Spirit's influence. Prayer is our main source of power. And to be filled with the Spirit is to live a life of prayer. How many of you in this room have ever had a prayer answered? Well, I think that's everybody. One thing is for sure, you will never experience answered prayer if you never pray. Okay, in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, when you pray, 
He doesn't say if you pray. When you pray, you're, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. That is their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there is a place of prayer. That doesn't mean that we can't stand in the church house and pray together because we're afraid somebody's going to be looking at us and we're going to be thinking, oh, they think I'm so spiritual because I'm praying. No, we, we do stand and pray in the house of God, but that shouldn't be the only time you pray. There should be times where you have a private place where you can get alone with God and pray in a secret place because he sees what is done in secret. Okay? Um, and one, one, one translation says, he sees what is done in secret, and he will reward you openly. I mean, you've been around people that you know it's obvious that they have a prayer life. You can tell they've been with Jesus, like we read last week, the Peter and, and John thrown into prison, and, and the, they said they could tell they had been with Jesus. That's part of God rewarding us openly and using us to touch other people, their lives. And, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So meaningless repetition, if you go in your closet and for 30 minutes you just say, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, hallelujah. Oh God, hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And your mind's a million miles away, but you're, whoo, hallelujah, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Father. Oh, I love you, Father. I mean, you know, you're not meaning any of it. That is not prayer. Prayer is so simple that a child can pray. God hears the prayers of a child. So when you, when you go into your prayer closet, this is what Jesus said. He said, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So right away, you begin by worshiping God, thanking him for all the things he's done in your life. Sometimes I like to go down and remind the Lord of all the things he's done for me. And I look back over my life. It's like practicing the piano. I look back over my life and I see how far I've come in my walk with God. Have I been perfect? Absolutely not. I have made a, so many mistakes. I felt like um, Martin Luther. Was it Martin Luther <laughs> that wrote the, the thesis? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, he got mad at God. He said, I, I cannot be good enough to serve this God. And the more I try, the more I mess up. But that's what's so beautiful about God. I struggled with that too. Many people struggle with that because it's not about our righteousness. It's about his righteousness and what he's done for us. We can't take any of the credit. 
So you begin by praise and worship, thanking the Lord. I love to sing when I'm in my prayer closet. I've got songs that I, there's one I like to sing that says, my soul loves you, Jesus. My soul loves you, Jesus. And almost instantly when I start singing that, the tears start flowing. Because I'm singing it from my heart to God. A lot of times I'll pray with some devotional type music that is songs that are like prayers, but they're songs. And I'll, I'll say, yes, Lord, I'll, and I'll repeat the words of the songs. You know, you, you, can, you get your mind on God. You think about God. You think about the things he's done for you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Prayer for needs should be daily. Okay? Daily, we need to pray. And forgive us our debts. We need to repent daily. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you're struggling with a temptation, anything that you want God to help you with in your life, tell him about it. Because the scripture says, cast all your cares on him, because he cares for you. He's your father. You can talk to him, and if there's things bothering you, um, I don't care what it is. If it's between your husband and your wife or, or somebody else, you can tell the Lord anything. He'll keep all your secrets. You can say, God, I don't know how to deal with this. Will you show me? And he will. But set an attainable goal. And then make it a priority and a daily practice until it becomes a habit. You know what a habit is? A habit is an acquired behavior, an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary, like an automatic reflex. So that's prayer. That's prayer. So to be filled with the Spirit, you know, there's some things we got to do. John, we got to have a prayer life. We got to talk to the Lord. We got to keep Him involved. Keep those lines of communication open. And then we've got to read our Bible. Now, there's many countries around the world tonight that it's against the law to own a Bible. That you could be put to death if they if you're caught with any scriptures. But you know what? God's going to hold us accountable for the the privileges that we have. We can own as many Bibles as we want. I don't know how many I have. I have so many different translations and study books and a PC study Bible on my computer. You know, I mean, we are privileged. The resources that we have are unlimited. We are without excuse. 1 Peter 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. And my study Bible says, Christians require proper spiritual nourishment if they are to grow in spiritual maturity. You don't just um, come and say, Well, yeah, I believe in God, and you know, he, he, he did all the work. He, man, he, he covered all my sins on the cross. I've just got a free ride. Huh, that's wonderful. No, you're not going to grow as a Christian if you're not getting nourishment. 
This nourishment is to be sought with the same intense eagerness exhibited in a newborn infant who yearns to feed all the time. That's what, how we're supposed to be about the word. Oh, I can't wait to read my Bible. Oh, and you know what? If you, if you start having that habit, it's, it, it becomes almost addictive. I'm just going to say I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to reading my Bible. And, and I have, didn't always read my Bible. In fact, when I was young in my 20s and after Shay was born, I can remember trying to hold her in the bottle with one hand and a romance novel with the other reading all these romance novels, I was going to find out how to be the most romantic wife in the world. You're going to laugh. Matthew, go ahead and laugh. Matthew, <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Okay. Go ahead and laugh at me, Matthew. But yes, yes, I used to want my husband to be romantic. I still do, but, you know, things change when you get old. <laughs> but no, really, I would read those stupid, I look back at that now and think, how did I read that trash, that junk? I mean, they weren't filthy or anything. They were just stupid. You know from the first page what's going to happen because the two people that are supposed to be in love are going to fight through the whole book and then they're going to get together at the end. It's just stupid and a waste of time and it didn't do me a bit of good on the romantic front. But I can remember when I, I went through uh, some severe depression and, and, and fears and, you know, the Lord allows things to happen in our lives so that he can show himself strong to us. So during a very, very dark time of my life at about age 20, the Lord began to send people to help me. And, and during that time, um, a, a lady in the church who told me, you know, this is me, okay? I have always been, go, 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 oh, I can do all this, I can do, and just, you know, hyper, just the more I can get done, and I'll cram more into a day than I could possibly do. That's why I got a heart problem right now, because I didn't think I needed to sleep very much, you know. Um, But, I was so involved at church, doing everything, teaching Sunday school, in the choir, in the music. I don't even know what all I was doing, plus working. Plus, I had this baby, and this wise woman of God came to me and said, you know, the Lord's been talking to me and told me you were thinking of taking your life. And that was my first time to know that God knew me as a person. Even though I'd had the Holy Ghost for years, I'd felt the goosebumps. I had been in good services and all that. But that was the first time that I really understood that how personal God is. And she gave me the best advice. She said, you need to stop doing all this stuff you're doing and learn to be with God. And so she told me, she said, take, take 30 minutes a day. And talk to the Lord. That began my journey of learning to pray. I've told you that before. But it's, it's very true. You know, we have to start somewhere. And the Lord convicted me during that time of the romance novels. I've not picked up a Harlequin romance since then. 
and let's say tomorrow I'll be 64. So how many years is that? 44 years? Is that right? And I said, okay, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Because the Lord convicted me. Here you are, every chance you get, reading this junk, and you never pick up my word. Now, the Lord convicted me of that, and when, when I just started having my own personal prayer time, which I wasn't used to. So that began my journey of reading the Word of God. And, and today, it, has, it is like an addiction for me. I cannot wait to get up at 5.30 or 6 in the morning and get my cup of coffee and get my Bible. <gasps> it's my favorite part of the day. And I always find new stuff in the Scripture. And I've read the Bible through every year since 1981. So I don't know how many years that is. But I always find new stuff in there. The Word of God is amazing. And you're, you're cheating yourself if you don't read it. Spiritual malnutrition develops when the inner man does not get the proper nourishment it needs to maintain spiritual health. Malnutrition opens the body up to all kinds of infection, sin, stunts your growth, and can lead to death. Malnutrition is serious stuff. The Word of God is called the bread of life for a reason. We are to partake of the bread daily. Now, how many of you in here will go all week and maybe eat one meal? All week. Nobody? You don't forget to eat, but we forget the bread. We forget the bread of God. Think what we would look like if we ate as often as we read the Bible. So we've got some spiritual skeletons walking around here. That's seriously malnutrition because we don't digest the word. We get a picture of this in the Old Testament. When the children of Israel were in the wilderness, God fed them with manna from heaven. But every day they had to go collect enough manna for that day. If they tried to keep some over so they didn't have to go out and collect it, the next day it was ruined. It had worms in it. It was not eatable. But to sustain life, they had to collect fresh manna every day. Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The way to know God is to know his word. First Peter 3 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. When somebody comes up to you and says, You know, there's something different about you. You know, what? what is it? And you're like, uh, well, um, I'm a Christian. What, what does that mean to be a Christian? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I go to church. No, it says right here, we need to be able to give a word to people that ask us. Do you know enough scriptures to lead somebody to Christ, to show them the gospel? Your testimony is a powerful tool, but it should be backed up with scripture. You know, we're living in a day when most people don't even have a basic knowledge of the Bible. The Word of God is powerful. 
that that reminds me of Kristen's sister, Sheila. She told me, Sheila Winchester, it's not Winchester anymore, Turnbow. She told me when she met Rashae, my daughter, she had never met anybody that knew the word of God like Rashae. And she would get so mad at Shay. And Shay would give her scriptures, you know. Shay would just laugh it off. And she'd go home and look up every one of those scriptures and find out if it was true. And sure enough, it was. So, see, we need to know the word. And by the way, Shay knows the word, and she can't get away from that word. And I want y'all to keep helping me pray for her because I'm ready to see her brought out of some bondage in Jesus' name. Uh, James one twenty one says, Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Engrafting means to set as permanent in the consciousness of habit patterns. How does something become a habit? You do it over and over and over again. Practice, practice, practice. The word becomes a part of us when we daily read it, memorize it, meditate on it, pray it, and rightly divide the word. That means investigate the meaning of the words. Pray the word. I love to pray Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. If you learn a few little short verses like that and you start praying that in your prayer time, I mean, it, it'll, it'll do something to you. It's powerful. Get you a Bible translation that you can understand. It doesn't have to be King James. I love lots of different translations. New Living Translation, um, the Amplified Bible, even the message. I don't think the message is correct in all of its interpretations. But there's so many out there that are so, you know, the New King James Version, um, that it's more able for us to understand it in our language. Keep you a, a, a journal when you're reading the Scripture and something stands out to you write it down um you could you could read the bible get you a bread chart that's what i do i i I go by a bread chart to make sure i read the whole bible in a year it doesn't take me all year i'll finish it early every year but still i know i've read the whole bible this year that doesn't mean i haven't studied other passages i don't just read it but i study certain passages so there's things that you can do um and, and start writing things down. The Lord can speak to you through his word. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about is fasting. Today, there are places you can go. And you will have medical um, personnel to watch over you and make sure you're okay. But you go there for the purpose of fasting to recover your health. Some people go, you can read about it online, some people go and stay a week um, with just water, and by the time they leave, they're off all of their medications. Fasting is good for you, physically, but that's not why, we don't fast so we can lose weight or something like that. 
or even for our health. We do it for our spiritual health. Fasting is going without food, okay? Matthew 6, um, Jesus is speaking. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus said, when you fast, not if. But what's the purpose of fasting? The psalmist David said, I humbled my soul with fasting. First Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Fasting, when done with the right motive, is an act of denying the flesh in order to strengthen the spirit. Now, nobody likes to fast. It's, it's not easy. How many of you have ever been on an extended fast, like more than one day? Okay. Do you, do you agree with me that after a day or two, do, do you know how good you feel? Your mind feels so clear. I can't even describe it. You, you, you might be, after the third day, you're not even really hungry. But you, your mind feels so clear and you feel so alert. But it's a way of bringing the flesh under subjection to the spirit. It's a way of saying, you know what, God? I'm going to push the plate back because there's some things I, I, I want to see broken in my family. There's some strongholds I want to see come down. The Bible says that the anointing breaks every yoke. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, he lifts us up. The Bible gives us many examples of the benefits of fasting when coupled with prayer. It breaks strongholds. Builds faith, makes it easier for us to hear the voice of God, brings the flesh under subjection to the Spirit, and it's a way we can minister to the Lord. Some people think that fasting is a way to bargain with God. Okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go without food for you to do this. But no, it, fasting is not for us to bargain with God. According to Isaiah 58, fasting breaks the power of the enemy. This is a tool that God, this is one of our weapons that God has given us against the enemy. But a weapon's no use if we don't use it. It's our key to getting victory over strongholds and hard situations that don't seem to respond to normal prayer. Let's read Isaiah 58. The Lord is saying, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Do you know the Hebrew word study of break every yoke means to root out and burst every form of bondage? For most of us, the big yoke is food. Did you know that every complaint the Israelites um, made to Moses was about food? 
Fasting helps us refocus our priorities from the natural to the spiritual. We live in a right now world. It's hard for us to wait for anything. We want everything to be quick and easy, just like learning to play the piano. Some people are looking for the shortcut. But for some things, there are no shortcuts. We want apostolic power like we read about in the book of Acts, right? But how can we expect apostolic power while neglecting apostolic practice? I recently um, heard a story about a pastor's daughter. And if I, um, I was watching somebody preach and they used this example, so I think it's okay for me to share it because it's on YouTube. (laughs) but this pastor's daughter was um, a teenager, you know, never been married. She runs off with a married man in their church. You know, I mean, it caused so much turmoil in their church and and disgrace to her family and the church, and her her life just kept, she was from one man to the next. She was into everything she was big enough to do, she did it. Her life spiraling out of control, grieving her parents to death. Nothing they could do could convince her to come home and change. This went on for many years. Then her daddy decided, you know what? It's going to take something drastic to get her attention and to break the enemy's hold over her life. So you know what he did? He went on a 40-day fast. Now, I I know very few people that have been able to do a 40-day water-only fast. And I think it almost has to be Uh, led by God to be able to do that. Because I went on a 10-day fast doing broth and juice, and I thought I was going to (laughs) die. I didn't die, though. I didn't die. But he went on a 40-day fast of water only. And you know what? Today she's uh, she's serving God along with her dad in his ministry, which is called End Time Ministries with Irvin Baxter. So as you know, learning to play the piano takes more than desire. It's going to cost you something. Time, effort, consistent practice. Prayer, Bible study, and fasting are no different. Start with small goals and be consistent. One day you'll look back and see how far you've come, the progress you've made. How many of you in here have been on an extended fast and seen God answer a prayer that you were praying for? Because I have. Nothing short of a miracle. And like I said, it's not that we're twisting God's arm. Like, if I fast, you're going to do this. But when we bring our flesh under subjection and we go to God, you know, there's... When I pray, I like to kneel because I feel like I'm being reverent. I feel, and you know, it's hard for me to get up off the ground now. It's really hard. But I still like to kneel because I feel like it's, it's humbling. I'm humbling myself. I'm being reverent to God. But when we go to God fasting and we humble ourselves and he knows we are desperate, 
he, it gives us power. Like we read last week, he gives us power over all the enemy. And I have seen him answer prayers. Hey, we got the call to come to Baytown for the first time on the seventh day of a fast. God gives direction. He will break strongholds. He will do stuff for people that you're praying for. Don't you ever doubt the power of prayer and fasting coupled together. We've got this at our disposal. Why don't we take advantage of it? John 8, 31, and this is, I'm closing. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, if I could persuade you, and I'm not, I'm not setting myself up as the most spiritual person that prays the most and fasts the most, reads the Bible the most. I'm not. This is to me, I'm talking to myself as much as to anybody. But if I could persuade you, because I know what it's done in my life personally, if I could persuade you to do it, that's, I, I would do anything to persuade you. If I could just persuade you to do this, it's going to make a difference in your life. It's going to make a difference in your family. It's going to make a difference in our church and in our community. And I believe that's what you all want, and that's what I want. And Lord, help us. Okay, let's stand together. I think my husband's at the hospital with Rosie and Blackie, so um, let's just go ahead and pray together, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we love you so much, and we are so grateful God, for all the things that you've done for each one of us. We know, God, that we're a privileged and a blessed people. God, to be able to have the resources that we have, the freedoms that we have. And we don't know what the future holds, God. And we don't know, God, what's going to come in the years ahead, Lord. The persecution, whatever we may face. And I pray, God, that you would help us as your people. Not to be at ease in Zion, God, but help us, Lord, to, to be diligent about serving you, God, about seeking your face, God, and about, about using these spiritual weapons that you've given us, Lord, to fight these wars in the spirit, God, in the spirit world for the sake of ourselves, our children, our grandchildren, our families, our church, our community, our world. Lord, help us because we know, God, that mighty things are accomplished when your people begin to pray and call on your name because you are a God of compassion and you are entreated of all those, Lord, that diligently seek you with all of their heart. And we thank you, God, for that tonight. And we ask you to help us in Jesus' name. Help us to be strong. Help us, God, to to consecrate and dedicate ourselves once again anew unto you, God, so that you can fill us, fill us up with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be dismissed. Thank you for coming on a rainy Wednesday night.